This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, it's Volcano Night on the Shift. Professor Tracy Gregg, a volcanologist at the University of Buffalo, tells us how volcanoes created rocks out of plastic and shares incredible facts about volcanoes on Earth and other planets in our solar system. Pay very close to that conversation with Tracy Gregg, by the way, the professor, because it's also a volcano game showy. We're rocking it with your knowledge of volcanoes with us. You're going to lava it. Plus, are you okay with dog food? What about family feud? Two different topics, just to be clear. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Did you know there's volcanoes on other planets? I did not. Um, kind of makes sense, though, when you think about it. Okay, that's not what we're here to talk about yet. First, I wanted to flag a conversation we did on Are You Okay With last week. Volcanic rocks made of plastic. Now, that is not a, a school science project, although it kind of sounds like that. And just plastics in a place where there's molten lava that cools and turns into lava rocks, volcanic rocks, I guess. And But it's got this plastic all mixed into it. I mean... Aside from the fact that it's incredibly wrong, it's quite beautiful. I mean, it goes to show how Mother Nature takes lemons and makes lemonade out of what it has. Now, my guest joins me to talk about this, a volcanologist, uh, Professor Department of Geology, Tracy Gregg from University of Buffalo. Hey, Tracy. Um, concerning and yet somehow kind of beautiful from my eyes. How do you see it? Um, I think it's fascinating and more evidence of just how common plastics are. Um, we live in a pretty disposable society where we're used to single use plastics. And uh, when we're done with them, they go into our garbage and we forget about them. And it's important to recognize that plastics don't go away. They just get moved around. Yeah. Um, so these, did I get it right with the 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 hot rocks getting mixed in with the plastic and then it all cools together. So it looks like a lava rock, except it's black like a lava rock, except there's green or blue or red mixed into it. Yeah, sort of. I think that um, it, it's important to recognize that the, um, the where this um, came to the attention of sort of the national eye uh, is because uh, the uh, melted plastic, or they're calling them now plastiglomerates, um, this combination of melted plastic and natural rock occurs on the shores of islands off of Brazil. And the rocks are old volcanic rocks. These are not active volcanoes. So it's not lava actually melting with the plastics as much as it is um, mostly fishing nets that are a uh, plastic that melts at very low temperatures. And it's actually, um, just solar energy that's melting the plastics and allowing the plastic, the molten plastic then to be um, stuck sticking to the old volcanic rocks and the ocean uh, waves then round these melted plastics and rocks together until they do make very colorful and beautiful and creepy formations. Yeah. Creepy is, is, is right. And uh, I mean, aside from the fact that the plastics in the water, that's very clearly a thing that is, has always been evident, especially fishnets, very evident in this conversation, does go to show the magic of Mother Nature, if you will, 
of making something remarkably beautiful out of something that's rather quite ugly. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think it also shows too the permanence of plastic, right? The um, you know over time that molten plastic that or that sort of melted plastic that then solidified, it'll get hammered by the waves just like the rocks do, and it'll turn into little sand-sized grains of plastic that could make for some very colorful and confetti-like or glitter-like mm. beaches, but it's not good for the wildlife. And and the danger in these particular islands is their sea turtle nesting sites. And mm. um, just like people, animals don't like to eat plastic either. Um, doesn't do good things to you. So it's um, that's I think that's the creepy part of it. It's beautiful, but it is harmful. So uh, Tracy Gregg joins us, volcanologist, University of Buffalo, kind of would have thought maybe a waterfallologist. <laughs> How are the volcanoes in Buffalo doing these days, Tracy? You know, we get asked that a lot. We have a really strong uh, volcanology program at the University at Buffalo. And um, yes, that is a question we often hear. Why are you studying volcanoes in Buffalo? And the truth is, we live in Buffalo to study volcanoes because we know what volcanoes are capable of. You Very don't good. really want to be standing right on top of one when it goes. It's much safer to go to the volcano when it's in a quiescent or at least um, understandable state so that you don't get blown to smithereens as well. So Fair enough. I think it's a very smart place to study volcanoes. And and hey, it's Buffalo, which is great. I mean, the wings, right? Ah, as I tell everybody when I travel, where I live, we just call them wings. Yeah, right. That's just all they are. That's very yep, good, actually. This it. is good. Yep. I love this. Okay, so um, volcanoes in general, how do you get there? What comes first, the rock or the volcano in your nerdy science life? Oh, well, I uh, certainly studied the rocks first because volcanoes, as you said, they don't, uh, they're not common in the interior of the uh, North American continent. And so I grew up uh, in Iowa where there are no volcanoes. Mm. Uh, and so I didn't see, as we call it, I didn't get red rock fever. Uh, until I was in my early 20s and went to Hawaii for the first time to see active lava. So I definitely saw the rocks first uh, and then the molten liquid rock as it sloshed around inside mm -hmm. a volcanic crater. So that that's a wild notion, right? When you, you think about that, um, this this rock and it's so hot that it just, it becomes liquid. Um, what is that feeling for you? Because you have a love affair with it, right? You can hear it. Um, I do. For me, it's like, holy crap, that could kill me. But for you, <laughs> you know, there, there's multiple things going on. Um, what What is that feeling like? You're in Hawaii, maybe go backwards in time to when you were just we and you saw them uh, for the first time. Or um, my biggest thing is sort of the crusty as it pours, kind of crusts and then breaks mm -hmm. and then crusts and breaks. That's always been mm -hmm. fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, but what is it for you when you see lava, like lava is the ultimate reminder that, yeah, this doesn't belong to us. So <laughs> what, what, um, what's that feeling like for you as somebody who's chosen this for your life path? Yeah, for me, um, I first saw lava via, uh, one of those eight millimeter films that I saw in school in fourth grade or something. And, and it was a, a film of a, a young child throwing a stick into a river of lava and the stick just immediately caught fire. And the concept that something so solid, something that I walked on every day, something that you just 
take for granted will always be firm beneath your feet, that it could melt and flow like water was mind boggling. And then, um, you know, 20 years later to actually see it and to admire the incredible beauty and power, quiet power behind lava flows. Um, most of the lava flows that, that I've studied, um, you have to want them to hurt you. Uh, they aren't moving really fast. You can generally get out of the way. Um, but, but that said, the first time I really got up uh, and was able to study an active lava flow in Hawaii, um, I burned, I was holding up a video camera, which I know people don't use those anymore, but it was a video <laughs> camera, but it's the same principle as holding up a cell phone. I burned all the hair off the back of my hand oh, wow. because I was so close to the lava and so excited by it that I just, you know, vaguely noticed something was smelling funny, but I mm -hmm. didn't really pay attention. And, and, um, my, my friend and colleague who'd gone out there with me said, oh yeah, the first time I went out, I burned off one of my eyebrows. Oh my. <laughs> just you can't look away and and it's so hot you know the temperature of of molten lava in hawaii imagine if you could increase the temperature of your oven four times as hot as its hottest really? setting and so when That's i wild. say you're so close to burn your hand off i was still probably 5 meters away yeah. and that was close enough to singe my hair That's <laughs> so. wild it is. But, it's just, it's so primordial. And you recognize that, I like the way you put it, that this this isn't for us, right? This is this is giving you the heartbeat and the pulsing of a planet from its primordial birth. And it's trying to tell you something really fundamental about how the inside of the planet works. And it's, it's mind-blowing. Well, I never changed. That's the thing. We always we sort of assume that the ground is the ground and it never changes, <laughs> right. you know, and, and it's one of the things that I find that we lose in the climate conversation today because of the, you know, the pendulum that swings of, you know, uh, no awareness to, and recklessness to, oh my God, we're hyper aware and, and, and everything's wrong. And, and we, we lose that nice space in the middle where we get reminded that this place is always changing. Yes. Anyway, and we lose the beauty of the change when we make all the change bad and wrong. Yeah. Um, now, influencing change, speed of change, completely different discussion. I'm not diminishing that. But that, that's the part that gets me the most, right? There's something about earthquakes, volcanoes, mm -hmm. and lava that really do <sighs> rock you to your core. Uh. <laughs> of... Um, no, but of your experience, if you've experienced an earthquake and the ground shakes or whether it's, you know, explosions because of construction or or con just general pile driving construction or an actual earthquake or mm -hmm. I haven't been to a volcano. I've been to a dormant once in Hawaii, but not the the hot ones. But the um, there's something about it that really does sort of, you know, hit you in the center of you because this is the safe place, right? Your feet on the grass is the safe place. And if the grass opens up, now what's left and and it's such a good reminder that you know it's it's constantly changing it's going to do what it wants to do it's not like you can kind of hold it together like a grocery bag when you're trying to come in right you can't you can't control it and and i think um there are people who see that lack of control in our and our lack of ability to predict these hazards right we still can't accurately predict earthquakes um and most volcanic eruptions um so it's uh, some people look at that and are terrified. And um, I think what makes a volcanologist or a seismologist, somebody who studies earthquakes, 
is that instead of being terrified, we're enthralled. It's like, oh my God, what, what additional information can I get that's going to help me explain how this whole system works so that I can make predictions about what it's going to do in the future? Um, and so it's that difference between um, how you view that lack of control. Is it, is it thrilling or is it terrifying? And I think for most scientists, it's pretty thrilling. Oh, sounds like being in a relationship. Um, <laughs> the, um, okay, before we leave Earth, because we're going to leave Earth, um, active places on Earth right now that everyone's got their eye on in your science world, what are we, uh, what are we watching? Oh my gosh. Well, as a volcanologist, um, at any given time, there are any given moment, there are probably about 50 volcanoes erupting really? on, on land. And that doesn't include the ones that are underwater. We have really limited understanding of uh, volcanoes under the ocean. And as you know, most of the earth is covered by ocean. Mm -hmm. So in fact, most of earth's volcanoes are underwater, but really? we don't really hear about those. Um, so at any given time, like I said, about 50 are erupting. Um, there are hundreds of volcanoes that are capable of erupting. Um, the ones that um, kind of come across my newsfeed most often in my um, USA-centric newsfeed is, of course, what's happening in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, we're also always concerned about what's happening in the Aleutian Islands because those volcanoes, although not a lot of people live nearby, a lot of airplanes fly directly over that volcanic chain mm -hmm. and um airplanes plus volcanoes is bad uh and so we we keep an eye on those um wow. so every day i i do i check my news feed and see what volcanoes doing what today <laughs> oh that's fat that's it, it is absolutely fascinating to to think of it you know that way um you know being inside the piece of of a dormant maybe dead dormant volcano in hawaii Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, being inside that and seeing the crater from the inside and, and climbing mm. up on the outside and all those things, it really does bring back some of the wonder and the awe of where these things are. Our guest right now is Tracy Gregg. She's with the university of Buffalo volcanologist and, um, studying volcanoes. Fascinating. Um, okay. Volcanoes in space had no <laughs> idea. That's a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. There are, um, there are volcanoes on every solid surface in the solar system um, either has volcanoes now or has had them at some time in the past. And I say solid surface because, you know, we've got those big gas giants out in the outer solar system, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus. They, they don't have solid surfaces. Like they just, they're, they're a meteorologist's dream is what they are, but they mm -hmm. don't have um, any rocky surface that we can see. They're just covered in clouds, but even their moons show evidence of having had active volcanoes in the past. Really? Um, so now, Venus though is on, it's a, has been on inside some of your study. Yes. Um, and, um, so what is special about Venus that makes it be uh, worthwhile? Um, and how far behind are we, we hear about space in 34 billion years ago, that star was there, might not be there now, but now we can see it type of stuff. When we're talking about <laughs> Venus, how far behind are we on that one? Oh, Venus is uh, our closest neighbor in the solar system. Aside from the moon, um, the Venus is the close. Venus is the closest solid planet, and um, it uh, it's often been referred to as Earth's twin. People talk about it as separated at birth um, because Venus and Earth are about the same size. 
They have about the same mass, which means they have about the same gravity. You know, you might have seen uh, movies of the astronauts bounding on the moon because the moon has a sixth of Earth's gravity. If you were to land on Venus, um, it would feel, at least in terms of how the planet holds you to the surface, it'd feel really familiar. It'd feel just like walking around on Earth. Um, but you would want a serious spacesuit because the surface of Venus has a temperature that is around 430 degrees Celsius. Oh, um, yeah, a little, little warm, a little toasty. toasty. Yep. Um, it has an atmosphere that is almost pure carbon dioxide. Um, but there is some sulfur mixed in there. So every once in a while, um, there's uh, sulfuric acid that might make an appearance. Um, oh, wow. I think of it as the perfect place to send, like, you know, your mother-in-law for vacation or yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. ex-husband, ex-wife, <laughs> something like that. There you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Um, uh. Okay. So, okay. So, yeah. And so why, how did you get pulled into the study of this stuff? I mean, sounds like there's plenty to do here. What does, what does Venus teach you that's so different? Oh my gosh. So, well, everything I just said. So we can take a, one of the things I love to do is to take a volcano um, and put it in different environments and see how the environment affects the volcanic eruption does. Um, so for example, if we took um, Kilauea volcano on Hawaii and stuck it on Venus, would it still look like Kilauea or would it be tall and skinny or flatter and wider? Um, would the lavas flow just the same way? Or would that hot surface temperature allow lava flows to go much, much farther on Venus? Um, would, would volcanoes explode as much on Venus as they do on Earth? Things like that. Um, but the, the real big question is if Venus and the Earth are have all these similarities, same gravity, same mass, same, as far as we know, composition, almost the same distance from the sun, why are they so different? Yeah. Why is Venus so hot and, and miserable and Earth is so wonderful? Um, and when did that dive, when did they become so different? Um, we, we don't think they were so different at birth. Um, there's a, there's mounting evidence that Venus used to be covered with oceans. Not now, not at 430 degrees Celsius, can't have an ocean, but had one in the past. What happened to it? Where did it go? Yeah. Yeah, these are big questions. So cool. I, I didn't even know. Like, I'm so just, I mean, what makes a good volcano for an evil lair? For like, I mean, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, this is everything that you're saying is so fascinating that I just, I just want to. It's mind blowing. Keep, yeah, it is mind blowing. Yeah. I just want to keep hearing yeah. you talk. Like, just keep on speaking. Like, tell me well, something. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, I never I'll run out of you... questions, by the way. Like I don't, okay, and so, excellent. and I'm not out of questions. I'm just so enthralled and caught up in this. So one of the things that um, remains mysterious about Venus is that we lack a lot of the detail about its surface um, because of that thick carbon dioxide atmosphere. We cannot just send a spacecraft in orbit around Venus and have it take photographs of the surface the way we can for Earth and the way we've done for Mars and the Moon, because um, uh, visible light doesn't make it through the clouds. You'd take pictures of clouds and they're beautiful. That's what makes Venus so bright in the night sky. That's why it's the morning star and the evening star. It's these thick clouds that reflect all the sunlight. So we have to use radar, right? It's kind of like the weather radar that everyone's familiar with um, on the news, but it's um, a different wavelength of energy um, than the weather radar. It's specifically designed to penetrate the clouds and get to the surface. Um, but that means that 
um, it's not as detailed as what we can see with our eyeballs. So we have to um, interpret this kind of low resolution radar data and try to figure out what's going on. Um, and and that, that means we're missing a lot. Um, but from what we can tell, Venus has the weirdest lava in the solar system. <laughs> So, um, like green or like, well, we weird. can't see colors. Oh. Um, oh, what so I mean be. by weird oh, is, um, the longest river on earth is the Nile river and it's water, right? There's no water on Venus, but there is a channel on Venus. Um, so it kind of looks like a dried river channel, except that it's really pretty straight. It's, uh, it doesn't have a lot of tributaries. It's basically one channel and it is longer than earth's Nile river. So the longest channel in the solar system is on Venus, which has no water on one of the driest planets in the solar system. So it had the only something. way to that had to have been made by lava. So there were rivers of lava on Venus longer than rivers of water on Earth. Huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I mean, that's it's it's fascinating. And there we still uh, we don't know exactly how that works. How do you do that? How do you make lava that can flow that far without solidifying or without um the someone turning off the faucet at the volcano without right. the you know just how do you make that much lava just to fill that channel requires thousands of cubic kilometers of lava where'd that lava come from if that if that temperature what what are some numbers uh so if it's four times as hot 400 degrees there mm -hmm. um and if it's like, would that be a contributing factor if it was 400 degrees as an ambient temperature, that that would be hot enough to stop it from getting crusty and turning into rock? Yeah, interesting. Interestingly, no, because the um, the air temperature is, is you know, four times hotter than it is on Earth, but lava is, you know, a thousand times hotter. Oh, okay. So um, even the, <laughs> to lava, even Venus is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Um, so, but but there's something really weird going on either you've got um weird lava maybe it's a kind of lava we don't really have here on earth mm -hmm. um, which would be strange but it's a possibility um, it's also possible that the surface of venus with that much carbon dioxide the pressure of the atmosphere on the surface of venus is equivalent to being about a thousand meters underwater on oh, wow. earth wow yeah, it's a really thick atmosphere and so thick that near the surface, we think that the carbon dioxide atmosphere doesn't even really behave like a gas. It actually behaves more like a liquid. Really? It's called supercritical. And so it kind of flows and moves more like a liquid than than blows and wafts like a, a gas. And that might have something to do with what's going on. Um, Pick your mystery, man. We got you them pick all. Your mystery. Yeah, we do. And um, yeah, we, we're going to have to talk more about this because this is fascinating to me. And all of this in Buffalo. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right? right? Who would have known um, that this is a thing? Tracy, this is fascinating and I love it. And John Omar, technical producer, he did a volcano and he colored his vinegar red. So he nice. had the red lava. So you'd be Excellent. proud of him. I am. Um, when he was in school. So, um, <laughs> so good. And 
it it really seems endless, doesn't it? Right, like you said, pick your mystery, and and this is where it goes. Yeah, we really there are so many unanswered questions on Venus, but one of the things that that you kind of alluded to earlier is that those of us who've studied Venus um, for the last several decades kind of knew that it was volcanically active. I mean, you look at the surface and there's volcanoes and lava flows everywhere and these giant lava channels and there are there are lava flows that go a thousand kilometers um, crazy. Um, and there are volcanoes that would cover, um, you know, half of New York uh, if we plopped them down. So, really? oh, they're huge. Um, so those of us who've spent a lot of time looking on the planet were kind of knew it was volcanically active. Like how could it not be volcanically active with all right. that we could see? But it wasn't uh, proven until uh, very recently. And it was, it was pretty exciting. Although for most of us, uh, <laughs> The reaction was, yay, it's about time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Told you. Okay, what's yep. next, right? This is fascinating. Tracy, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And um, and yeah, I I just, I feel like I want to go back to science class. So I feel inspired. Thank you. It's never too late. It's never too late. This is The Shift Podcast. Oh, it's that very special time here on The Shift, that time where we get to battle it out for pride and very special points. It is time for Game Showy. That's right, friends. It's Game Showy. Shift Head's Lava Game Showy. Now, we don't want to get off to a rocky start here. It's Volcano Night. Last week on The Shift, tension peaked as Kelsey's no. internet connection cratered, causing a landslide <laughs> and seismic loss against guest producer Debbie Knight. The core of Game Showy, the bedrock of this radio game show is trivia. And here's our host, spewing knowledge at a tsunami of trivia questions, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, well... Thanks, Bob. And as you just proved, you can't really force volcano puns. Good pu volcano puns should just flow. Let them flow. <laughs> Your brains are going to be erupting with knowledge after this round, my friend. Stop We it. are going... No. Hold on. It's gonna I have be, to cut I think it. We got Did most you guys rehearse this? Did you rehearse no. this? He definitely no, wrote those down just to make sure he hit them. That was wild. I am was... super impressed. Sorry, this is your game show. I just need, like, no, that was a lot of puns, the both of you. Bravo. I, I'm very, the, the, I feel very honored. That was really good. I want high five, Shane. Well done. Uh, before we get the competition started, because it is game showy, we are, this is a formal competitive round. And uh, yeah, you need to test your knowledge of volcanoes. So here's how Game Showy works. If you're new or you need a little refresher, our contestants, Shane Hewitt, Kelsey Campbell, are going to pick a category of question and difficulty of said question. We today we're playing for lava lamps. Lava lamps. Because that's more rewarding than like just giving you a bucket of lava. So yeah, you could really redecorate your house uh, to make it look as 1960s, 70s as possible. So one lava lamp question is easy. Three would be difficult. Now, if you get the question right, you hear this. 
Liquid hot magma. Magma. Very good. Now, if you get it wrong, you'll hear this. Now, worth noting that if you get the answer wrong, your opponent has five seconds to steal the answer if they know it. Now, we've got three categories of questions to choose from tonight. Famous explosive eruptions, volcanoes active in the media, and <sighs> volcanology. Volcanology is a cool word, isn't it? Sounds we like also have a great word. We also have the text line special, which is a question for the shift heads and the shift heads alone. I'm going to ask it now, and you need to text in your answer. So when you hear this sound, that means it's time when we have found this hidden question. Krakatoa! Krakatoa! So when you hear that, that means we found it. Now, this question is only for the listeners. Shane and Kelsey mm -hmm. cannot answer it. And uh, here it is. Okay, so get your phones out. 877-399-9898. Here is your question. This volcano is part of the Pacific Ring of Fire, where 90% of all of Earth's active volcanoes rest. It erupted in 1980, causing billions of dollars in damage and shaved off over a thousand kilometers of the mountain itself. What is the name of this mountain and its famous eruption? Is it Mount St. Helens, Mount Tambora, Krakatoa, or Mount Ruiz? Again, what volcano famously erupted in 1980? Mount St. Helens, Mount Tambora, Krakatoa, or Mount Ruiz? Text in your answers now. You could be the deciding factor in this very competitive round of the Game Showy. Don't forget, this episode of Game Showy is brought to you by our conversation with T Tracy Gregg. From the volcano capital of the world... The University of Buffalo. Seriously, that's where they work. Who yeah. knew? All right, one more time. Our categories are explosive eruptions, volcanoes active in the media, and volcanology. He's in his flow, and he's ready to ash us the questions. Oh, Bob? come on. <laughs> Too many. Oh, Too thanks. many. Yeah, th th thanks, Bob. Okay, so Kelsey, uh, I've been told after last week's game show that you're going to go on a tear. Like, this is the redemption Oof. arc. I'm going to give you an yeah. opportunity to do that right now. So, Kelsey, you get to go first. Where are we going? I don't even know what to do with my life anymore after last week. I'm still shaking. Oh, Although, are you quaking? I I'm quaking. No. No more. Oh, I'll keep them coming because this is incredible. This is magnificent. Very good. Good. Yeah, good. it was too forced. It was, yeah, that was tough. Um, Ryan, one thing you did miss last week that was incredible was Shane Hewitt introducing Shane Hewitt as the host, <laughs> as Bob, back to Shane Hewitt. Throw Thanks, Bob. It was great. Okay, <laughs> let's get serious that. here. Let's do it. Let's get super, super serious. Okay, I am going to try a different approach because I always come in heavy-handed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Volcanoes active in the media for one lava lamp. Ooh. For one lava lamp. Okay, here we go. Here's a question. What is the name of the volcano movie starring Pierce Brosnan where he has to rescue his family from a volcano that's about to explode? Is it Volcano? Ashfall, 
Into the Inferno or Dante's Peak? I know this one. I know this one. This is one of the craziest scenes that have stuck in my head from childhood. The grandmother jumping out in the acid lake and her legs burning. Dante's Peak. I still remember that. It's from the Uh, early 90s and it's scarred me for life. It, it is a pretty intense movie, and it is also the correct answer. Yes, Liquid Hot Magma. magma. The, the movie actually has pretty poor reviews, but what's interesting is that it gets played in science class a lot. I watched this movie in high school science, including really? the woman being burned in the acid lake. So thanks, Pierce Brosnan, saving the day yet again. One lava lamp for Kelsey. Okay, my turn. I'm going to go with volcanology for two lava lamps. We're going to heat things up in here. Let's do it. Okay. So, Shane, I'm going to have to power through them. Okay. What is the difference, Shane, between magma and lava? Lava. Is it magma is outside of the volcano? Mm -hmm. Magma is solid? Magma is inside of the volcano? Or there is no difference. It's just different words people use. Can you say magma properly for me? Magma. Oh, there it is. That's what you meant. Okay, yes. Uh, The difference between magma and lava. I like it when you say lava. Lava. Um, Magma is inside and lava has been set free. That is... Correct. Wonderful. Yes. Liquid hot magma. Magma. Thank you, Dr. Evil. Magma Ah, is the name given to liquid rock inside of a volcano, and then it becomes lava once it it decides to leave and burn down whatever's in its path. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. One might say it spews in a rupture rapture. I I don't know how he's doing this. Rupture rapture. I don't know how he's doing this. I've never seen this from him. It's quite stable. I want to outpun you, but I got nothing. I I'm can't. in awe. I'm not going to try. <laughs> I usually can go toe to toe, but I, I, I can't. This is how I'm fighting back. It's I should crack. She's. <laughs> you know what? He's distracting so that if he loses, we'll remember the mm-hmm. puns more than the actual game show. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That sure. intro was one for the books. Okay, I I need to. I'm going to get back on my regular mm-hmm. horse because this is. Here. Yeah, this is no good. I'm going to go three lava lamps. I'm going to stay with in the media. Okay, in the media. Okay, here's a good question. Blofeld, the pinnacle of James Bond villains. He's famous for, you know, the scarred eye, the evil kitty cat, and his very bald head, but also his secret volcano bad guy base. It's featured in the 1967 James Bond film, You Only Live Twice. Where on planet Earth is that volcano? It is a real volcano, by the way. It's not a fake one. This is real. Is it in Italy, Indonesia, Japan, or Colombia? I'm so stoked. I need to give a shout out to a man by the name of Keith Hodder, who I believe is the biggest James Bond fan in the entire world. He lived on my floor in residence in first year of university. And every single Sunday night, we had to watch a James Bond film. It would take six hours because he would pause. He, was te- he would tell us who the designer of the bikini was, where this wow. cave was located. And wow. in this case, I actually know this volcano is located in Japan thanks to Keith Hodder. Uh, wow. Well, Keith paying dividends. Yeah, that's correct. Mount 
Shinmodake, I believe that is the correct answer. Yes, in Japan. Liquid hot magma. It's actually an active volcano. It erupted quite severely in 2018, and it had a mini eruption in 2021. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you can see it prominently in You Only Live uh, Twice, which is a very good James Bond film. Very good one. There you go. Uh, Kelsey now in the lead with four lava lamps. All right. Um, uh, I'm going to continue with my my uh, second level. I'm going to go with ex explosive, well, explosive eruptions, volcanoes active in the media, and volcanology. I'm going with explosives eruptions for two lava lamps there, Bob. Oh, Excited. I see the... The luck of the Irish has bled over from last week oh, because you just stumbled hey. across the text line special. Wonderful. Okay, so here is the question for the listeners and the listeners only. I'll give you one last chance to text in your answer. 877-399-9898. Mm -hmm. This volcano famously erupted in 1980, causing billions of damage. And as I will be corrected, because like 40 people have texted me, shaved off over a thousand meters, not kilometers off the top that's of the peak. Way. Thank you. That, that's that's that. almost from this yes. is like Calgary to Vancouver. It's, yeah, it's a lot. That'd be a pretty damping volcano. Anyway, the options I was wondering were... when you teed that up, I'm like, that is a gigantic, a gigantic. explosion. Yes, oh a thousand God. meters. Look at the size of Anywho, that. Anywho, it's my first game showy back in a while. <laughs> God, like, give me a break. Okay, so the options were Mount St. Helens, Mount Tambora, uh -huh. Krakatoa, uh -huh. or Mount uh -huh. Ruiz. Whew. And uh, Shane, you probably know the answer, but you can't tell I me because I need to take a look at the text line. Okay, sorry. Um, well, so uh, every single, <laughs> we got like 43 texts and every single person got it right. Every single person texted it. Mount St. Helens, Jeff, Steve, uh, Bryce, Trucker, Dan, Angel, Lem, like all of you. Well done. Nice. Thank you for texting correctly. Mount St. Helens, 1980 oh, explosion. And it's a geyser uh, thank you, of Trucker. correctness. The geyser of Liquid correctness. Liquid magma. Two lava lamps for you. Yes, hundreds of square miles were reduced to a wasteland, over a billion dollars in damage. And uh, there's still a massive crater on the volcano to this day, which is still active. This is one of the most well-known explosions, I think, in most of our lifetimes. Um, in my case, my, my parents' lifetime. I was so hoping Mount St. Helens would come up. It is one of my favorite stories that, not not obviously the destruction that was caused, but that my parents told. They were actually camping at a lake in Washington State at the time Ooh. of the explosion, but they had no idea they were off the grid on this lake. And they were in a rowboat, and suddenly the sky just became slowly darker, darker, darker until they were in the mm -hmm. pitch black in the middle of the day fishing. And stuff started falling on their heads and so they paddled back to the beach and they thought the world was ending and they just wrapped themselves in clothing and towels because they weren't wow. sure what it was that was falling on them or what was occurring that darkness would just fall in the middle of the day Whoa. and oh, wow. they had no idea and at that time no cell phones they didn't have radios out there you know like it was just that's amazing no idea the world was ending as far as they were concerned and now we have kelsey and here i am that's you know <laughs> it's also Cuddles crazy though <laughs> what are the chances though because my mom was also in washington when that volcano exploded yeah. and that's it's great it's i mean it's connection i mean it's because it's basically the most significant north american volcanic eruption 
in in recent history. So uh, that's that's pretty. That's I, it is a, it. I would have been five, and I lived on Vancouver Island. So, and you wow. were also in Washington with yep. our yeah, I was. I was hanging out in, in a rowboat. Boat. Yeah, I was <laughs> on the other <laughs> lake. Great. Yeah, it was great. Okay, all right. Well, uh, Kelsey, Kelsey's turn? yeah, Kelsey's turn. We still got time. Okay, what are we at here? What are we at here? You're tied uh, four wise. four. You're tied. Go big, go big, go big. Okay. Um, do I give you a shot at it, Shane, or do I, am I ruthless? I should probably be ruthless. You didn't let Demi and I settle for a tie last week. Well, I suppose it, it depends how you feel about last week. I mean, if your confidence yeah, is cracked, curious. right? That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Releasing. No, I want. I wanted to try. I got nothing yeah. on the pun front. I'm releasing. <laughs> taken all of them. The Kraken. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three lava lamps, Vulcanology. Let's Holy do it. Bulk. Okay. Well, I hope you were paying attention to earlier in the show, Kelsey, because this uh -oh. question, you will know the answer to this if you are listening to our interview with volcanologist Tracy Gregg, who was on the show with us. Now, she told us about how amazing and complex volcanoes are, especially on Venus, not just on Earth, but in the solar system. So Professor Greg told us that the surface of Venus is four times hotter than Earth. But how much hotter is the lava on Venus? Is it actually about the same? Twice as hot? Ten times as hot? Or a thousand times hotter? This may shock you guys, but I'm a pretty avid listener of The Shift. <laughs> Really? <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give a nod to Professor Greg and say it is a thousand times hotter. That is correct. Liquid magma. In fact, here, I'll let, uh, here, I'll let uh, Professor Greg actually tell you why that's correct. The air temperature is, is, you know, four times hotter than it is on Earth, but lava is, you know, a thousand times hotter. So, um, even the to lava even venus is pretty cool <laughs> um so but but there's something really weird going on either you've got um weird lava maybe it's a kind of lava we don't really have here on earth um which would be strange but it's a possibility um it's also possible that the surface of venus with that much carbon dioxide the pressure of the atmosphere on the surface of Venus is equivalent to being about a thousand meters underwater on Earth. Yeah, it's a really thick atmosphere and so thick that near the surface, we think that the carbon dioxide atmosphere doesn't even really behave like a gas. It actually behaves more like a liquid. It's called supercritical. And so it kind of flows and moves more like a liquid than than blows and wafts like a, a gas. And that might have something to do with what's going on. Um, pick your mystery, man. We got them all for Venus. <laughs> wow. Pretty cool, uh, eh? Apparently my ex-wife also moves like a, a liquid. Super critical. No. <laughs> 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 All right, we gotta get going. As here. an ex-wife, I can't done. say that. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, she's a nice person. Uh, okay, so it's my turn. It's Kelsey's up uh, six, seven to four. So I have one choice. I'm mm -hmm. going for explosive eruptions, Ryan. Mm -hmm. I am rumbling my way for three lava lamps. 
Okay, Sounds we'll see messy. if all the puns pay off. Which volcano produced the largest volcanic eruption recorded in human history? Is it Mount Vesuvius, Krakatoa, Mount Tambora, or Mount Fuji? It's times like this, Ryan, where <laughs> without Google, I, uh, I try to go with the ones that I recognize. And of that list of four, I recognize the sound of Vesuvius, but if you had asked me to spell it, I would not have known how. Um, Krakatoa, uh, I'm pretty sure that's an NHL hockey team. Uh, <laughs> I did not play the tambour in, in band in high school. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Mount Fuji because that's really all I got. <laughs> Beautiful mountains. Me too. Probably the Me too. Uh, that's good uh, logic somehow. But no, it's not Mount Fuji. That is incorrect. <sighs> Kelsey, you have five seconds to steal if you know the answer. It sounds cool and it sounds like Vesuvius. Vesuvius Ooh. is not the answer either. Mm. Vesuvius is famous for destroying Pompeii, but no. Oh, it's Pompeii. Mount Tambora. I did know that. I did yeah. know that. Mount Tambora. I, um, 1815. Oh, oh, back in 1815. She back in 1815. The explosion was heard more than 2,000 kilometers away. Wow. Yep. Well. Uh, that would mean, um, I believe, um, I'm pretty sure I went to the uh, WebMD one day cause I wasn't feeling great. And I'm pretty sure the WebMD told me I had Vesuvius. Um, uh, that's, is so um, rough. isn't it bad? That's all right. I wish we could um, publish our faces so you could see how hard I'm cringing right now. <laughs> come on. It's good cringing. He's on dad Stop. joke mode still. It's oh, I love it. Well, apparently Shane is very beatable. Because Kelsey <laughs> redeems herself after last week's grand failure. A plume of wow. celebration casts over. <laughs> A cone of silence falls on Shane. And we are celebrating the epicenter of smart volcanoing, the University of Buffalo and Kelsey Campbell in Penticton. Can you neuter a volcano? I don't know where to take that thanks for listening kelsey appreciate you being here hope you feel yeah, all right I, I appreciate you like just being so genuine in your celebrations of my victory yeah well, so complimentary well you know last week it was really kind of sad it was so sad so very sad <laughs> this is the shift podcast are you, are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? 877-399-9898. That's our phone number here. Uh, it's The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm in Calgary on the north side. Ryan O'Donnell is downtown Calgary. John O'Chung is in downtown Vancouver. And it's time for us to bat about these stories that kind of make you go, hmm. Are you okay with? Chimbros. My dad's a Jimbo. Mm. Uh, what? Jimbo. Oh, because his name's Jim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Bros. What's a Jim Bro? No, not okay with a Jim Bro. There's a, here's the difference, okay? Someone who goes to the gym that works out and enjoys that, that's fine. A Jim Bro is someone who does all that, but 
posts it on their social media every 30 seconds, will go up to you in the gym and correct you on what you're doing and try to flex on you about, you know, being correct. And basically their entire personality is the gym. And I find that not appealing personally. Mm. I just haven't had a good experience. In fact, it makes me anxious to go to a gym because I know I'm going to run into people like that. Well, I'd rather have someone come up to me and tell me if I was doing an exercise wrong. If they think I was doing it wrong, I mean, you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to listen to them, but sometimes, you know, it's you know, hey man, you know, you're doing it wrong. You know, when I do it, it's a little bit more like this. That's what sometimes, like, if they're like, hey, I noticed you're doing this, you might injure yourself. But sometimes it can come across really. If you want to get big peaks in your boss, man, yes, you're going to have to turn like your hands to yeah. the inside. I don't like right? that at all. Uh, okay. Well, you know, some gym people go for fitness. Some people go for the health and some people will follow every trend they can to get bigger gains. Got to get those gains. Creatine, protein. Absolutely. Both of those very important. Creatine, very, very good for parts of you, bad for your kidneys, but you know, these things have their benefits widely accepted as helpful. Uh, there's steroids, not legal, but how would you how far would you go to get the best protein you could possibly get? Protein is so incredibly important to rebuild muscles, right? Muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. Would you eat dog food? That no. Is it lamb? <laughs> Sorry, is it just, or is no, it I would not. No. Um, in one viral video, which has received more than 21 million views, TikTok user Henry Clarissi points at the nutrition page on MyFitnessPal for pedigree dog food. Never Google how much protein is in dog food. You will find yourself tempted. All right, which one of you guys are going to take one for the team? 666 grams of protein or only 200 grams of dog food? That's like that's like a bowl of dog food. 10,000 likes, now 15,000 likes, and I'll eat a bowl of dog food. Not quite sure how there can be 600 grams of protein and 200 grams of dog food. That doesn't make much sense, no, does it? Maybe I'm missing something in the science of the counting. But he ended up trying the dog food. He said it was terrible. Although the food is high in protein, health officials say some ingredients in dog food can be harmful to humans. But others have followed suit, as so goes the internet. Mitch, who owns Monster Milling, a pet food company, believes his company's dog food can't be beat. Definitely not. To prove it, he put his mouth where his money is. At the end of the day, we're not going to feed your dog something if we haven't eaten it ourselves. That's right. For 30 days, Mitch ate nothing but dog food. Mm, that's good. He documented his journey on social media. I'm going to eat like a king tonight. Mitch says it's definitely no filet mignon, but it's actually not that bad. I mean, it's good enough to make someone jealous. I was excited to eat, but I'm not, not quite in the same way she is. Obviously, you don't do this kind of thing without expecting some sort of attention. And in fact, Mitch has been written about, talked about, even mentioned on The Tonight Show. But he had no idea the profound impact this would have on his health. Never did I think that in 30 days I could have the exact opposite effect of supersize me. Mitch lost 30 pounds. His blood sugar and blood pressure went down significantly and his cholesterol dropped 60 points. I mean, I put people on cholesterol lowering meds and they don't have as good of results as what Mitch had on dog food. Mitch says he's never been this healthy in his life. In fact, he feels so good, he plans to keep dieting like a dog. When I say eating like a dog, not dog food, but uh, I'm eating once a day, and I'm eating what I need. So anyone who's trying to lose weight, would you recommend this? <laughs> I would not recommend dog food, but 
at the end of the day, just eat less. Uh, that that part of the story, by the way, was from a couple of years ago about the eating the dog food part. But the gains part for the gym is is the new part. Mm-hmm. WFAA News uh, gave that report. Now, I do agree with the part about, you know, feeding your dog healthy and all that stuff. Yeah. But I don't think I need to be able to eat the same food as my dog. My dog also licks her butt. And so I feel like yeah. there's, a, there's a difference there in, in our palate. We have several thousand times more taste buds than dogs do. So we can taste a lot more. And like, yeah, a dog will eat literally anything. I watched, well, I didn't watch it happen, but I came home with Laura to find that their dog had eaten a pair of reading glasses and just was chomping away and thought, hmm, this tastes good. So yeah, no, I don't think the dog food has to taste good. It's just, is it healthy? Yeah, sure, good. Well, they do like the taste, I know that. Yeah, I switch between... um, chicken and lamb for harlow because she gets really excited when i when it's time to switch oh that's cool yeah Hmm. yeah just so you know so it's good but please don't eat the dog food no matter how fit you want to get um although if you have a hairy back safe to say uh shiny coat hairy back shiny hairy back after this is done Your, your chest hair would be just like Really shiny and glowing like a dog coat. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you get the dog shampoo for your chest then. Are you okay with Family Feud? Absolutely. Love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, aside from Game Showy, it's pretty much the best game show out there. And it's cool because it, like, the host really does help sell the show. And uh, and the audience answers. Everybody says the same thing every episode. Good answer. Good answer. Even if it's a terrible answer. And it was mm-hmm. one of those shows that was part of the holy trinity of like Maury, The Price is Right, and Family Feud. When you were homesick and you only, there was nothing on TV but those three shows. So, yeah, I love it. All right. Well, there have been some iconic answers on Family Feud. Absolutely. Name something that follows the word pork. You pine. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you pine. Good answer. Um, uh, chops would have come to mind for me. Anything for you yep. with pork? Yep. Um, there have uh, also been... Uh, absolutely. Um, it's some very dumb answers. Not that the, uh, the last one was very smart, but here you go. 20 seconds on the clock, please. Name an animal with three letters in its name. Alligator. <laughs> it does have three letters in its name. It's very minimal. You know what's worse? That guy went after his son. His son answer was frog. Oh, fun. So both of them, yeah. One family feud answer has become very eerie and disturbing after charges were laid against a former contestant. Now, this is where the fun ends in this conversation. Timothy Tim Bleefnik, 39, was arrested on Monday in Quincy, Illinois, and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of home invasion. That's what police said in their press release. His wife, Rebecca Becky Bleefnik, 41, was found dead in her home on February 23rd. Her body was riddled with bullets. Family member had gone to their home to check on her after she failed to pick up their three kids from school. Um, now, Blifnik had previously made headlines for appearing with his parents and siblings on the game show Family Feud. Clips of his appearance, which contain very ominous uh, joke, 
have resurfaced following Becky's death. This is what it sounded like. What's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Honey, I love you, but said I do. Oh. Not my mistake. I love my wife. I'm going to get in trouble for that, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> so what is the biggest mistake you made on your wedding day? His answer was said I do. Speaking to Fox News, uh, Bleefnik's attorney, uh, Casey Schnack, said the family feud comment was merely a joke and not relevant to uh, the separation from his wife that came later. It's a game show, a silly answer to a silly question on a silly show. Does not make one a murderer, Schnack stated. But he said those things, and now he is charged with the murder of of his wife after that. Oof. Yep. We live in an age where we can go back and watch that. Like that, that clip is just there. You know, it's just, yeah. that's bizarre. That is bizarre. All right, let's do another one. Let's do a little more light fun, shall we? Yes, please. Are you okay with Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He remains like just one of the most entertaining rappers and, and musicians in the industry, despite being in his 50s now. Uh, he put out an album two years ago that was very, very good. Uh, his online persona, amazing. He lives into everything Snoop Dogg 100%. Yeah. Like you, I don't think anybody could ever say he like sold out. Yeah, he'll go on your song for... Uh, $200,000, which is what he charges, but he'll sound like Snoop Dogg and he'll do his thing and yep. everybody loves it. He does. He's figured it out. He knows exactly who he is and he lives into that every chance he gets, it seems. And I love Snoop. I love, I mean, some of the lyrics from, you know, the, the late eighties, early nineties stuff, you know, not necessarily the most friendly of lyrics, let's just say for equality in today's world. But at the same time, it was from a different era, and the songs are still quite dynamite. So um, his new music is great, too, even in the last 20 years. So much so that when he goes places, people greet him differently. The Snoop D-O-double-G landed in Scotland over the weekend, and he received a very Scottish welcome. A man, a man in bagpipes... Ooh, there's a man in a kilt playing. This a was man the in a, this was yeah. No, yeah, a man in a kilt. Ryan's back on this one. Yep. No, a no, man no, in no. a kilt playing bagpipes was waiting for him when he got off his jet, and started to play a song for him. Still, Dre, still Dre, one of Snoop's best songs. Now, we will post that video up at shiftheads.ca, right? And um, because you need to see how Snoop immediately starts to sort of crip walk and dance to his it. song on the bagpipes. It's amazing. Now, it's pretty impressive bagpipe performance, and you can hear how close it is to the original. It's 
So Snoop arriving in Scotland uh, to bagpipes. It was so good. So awesome. He and uh, w- one of my favorite parts of the whole video is when Snoop gets in his car. He sl- stops, looks back, and points at the player and just gives him a thumbs up. And mm. you can hear him word like "amazing" or "well done." So, yeah, yeah. that made his day. He's neat. He's one of the few guys that you know. If you'd asked me ten or fifteen years ago, would you want to meet that guy? I'd probably been like, meh. But now, absolutely. What a great opportunity to chat with someone and hear the stories of their life, for sure. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.